a job to do. Get facts. <laughs> so, excuse me. <clears throat> Might as well wait for the airplane. Okay, I wanted to share uh, some thoughts on Hanukkah. That's okay. <laughs> I think I said I wasn't going to do that, but I wish I had even more. Um, so much here I want to I want to read. I'm like ah. Okay. Post one from last week. Um, I don't think it's online. No. Okay. So last Wednesday's one. But if again, if you write to me, I can send you at least the Dropbox link in the meantime. Okay, what I wanted to share was a couple of ideas from this Sefer, which is Lehodos Ulahalel. It's a book on Hanukkah by Rav Brevda. Rav Shlomo Brevda. Okay. Um, one of them, which I think ties in very closely with what we talked about on Shabbos with Parshas Vayishlach and Yaakov struggling with the Malach, and that the the strength and success and the change in who he was was through the struggle, not through a victory. It's the struggle that counts, not the winning. Flashback to that horse, right? It ain't over yet. It's the it's the struggle that is what matters in the world of darkness. So this is um, an essay. I'm not going to read the entire essay. <coughs> Excuse me. Called Mitoch Nefila Kima, Mitoch Afela Ora. Mitoch means from inside of, um, or th- by means of. So through falling comes arising, through darkness comes light. That's the title. Let me take it out. I've got this. This goes with it. Okay. And the Medrash to Hillam. I've got, I've got two pieces from Rav Ravta that I'd like to do today. In the Medrash on Tehillim, it says, Shir Hama'alos. Okay. That's a phrase we've heard. There are 15 of them. Well, I suppose 14 plus a Shir Lama'alos. Okay. And here's a question. Honestly, I never thought of it. I never heard anybody ask, but apparently it's right there in the Medrash. What does Shir Hama'alos mean? So a song. I guess usually they'll say a song of ascents, but a ma. So ma'ala is um, a level. Um, ole or la lot is to go up. So we understand they correspond to the steps in the Beis HaMikdash going up. And I think we have a sense that it also means going up stages or ascending spiritually. But the Medrash says, Shir Hama'ale Ein Ksiv Khan. It does not say Shir Hama'ale, a song of, let's say, a song that elevates, or a song of the step, or of the ascent. Elashir Hama'alos, a song of the steps, or a song of the elevations. It's in the plural. Or Hama'alos, a song. If it said Shir Hama'ala or Shir Hama'ala, that would mean the song which uh, elevates one. Which, if you work backwards, then you say, so Shir Hama'alos is the the songs which elevate which elevate and elevate and elevate one or something like that like it's difficult because shir is singular and ma'alos is plural and normally 
the adjective should match the subject in Hebrew, right? If you have a mapa, like a, I was, I'm looking at a tablecloth, okay? So a mapa levana is a white tablecloth. You don't, and you could have mapot levanot, white tablecloths, but you can't have mapa levanot. This is shir hamaalot. So it's difficult to understand, meaning is it, maybe it's a verb, maybe it's an adjective, but either way, it ought to be matching the word shir, and it doesn't. So maybe it's a song about, and maybe hamaalot is the noun, is the subject, Right, but that would be that which elevates in some kind of plural way. Kishi Yisrael Olim, when Israel goes up, Einam Olim Ale Achas, Ela Lamaalos Har Behein Olim. When the Jewish people go up, they don't go up one step; they go up many steps. Uchshehem Yordim, and when they go down, Einam Yordim Yerida Achas, they don't go down one step. Ella. But rather, like the Pasuk in Tvarim Chafres Mem Gimel, the Ato Tered Mata Mata, you shall go down, down. More than one. As it says in Echa, Perk Beis, Hishlich Mishamayim Eretz Deferis Yisrael. God has cast from the heavens down to earth the glory of Israel. So it's not just one step. When we go up, we really go up, and when we go down, we really go down. Adkan, that's the Metrish. And this is a phenomenon that we can see very clearly during the era of the Syrian Greek domination of the Jews in Israel. Who went from a level that was really supernatural in the days of Shimon Hatzadik. Shimon Hatzadik was, we learned, no in Hagadola, the last of the men of the great assembly. If he himself didn't have prophecy, it seems he was not a prophet, but he saw prophets. He knew people who were actual Nevi'im in his lifetime, and he had met them. Yardu Lematzav TV. We went from that, right, when he went to meet Alexander the Great, Alexander looked at him and saw the face that he had seen in his dreams before he went into battle and knew that he would succeed. This was a supernatural level. And from this, excuse me, Yardu Lamatsav TV, they fell all the way to a level that was natural. Umisham, but from there, Yardu Lamatsav Shogzeros Ubitul Hadas. They didn't end there. We didn't just go from supernatural to natural. We went from supernatural to Gzeros, to harsh decrees and efforts to eradicate our beliefs. To the extent that Torah and Mitzvahs were nearly forgotten amongst Israel. This is a very, very dramatic fall in an extremely short time. The leader after Shimon HaTzadik was Antigonus Ish Soho. As Rabbi Tatz points out, you've already gotten to where Antigonus has a Greek name. Now, there's nothing wrong with Antigonus Ish Soho. He's amazing. But the point is, Greek culture has come in one generation. You've gone from Alexander the Great bowing down to the head of the Jewish people to Greek names having some kind of place in Jewish culture. Like, that's a really dramatic change in a single leadership generation.
This is what the Rambam says at the beginning of Helchas Chanukah, in the second temple, Erech, Shemalchu Yavan, when the Yavonim were ruling, Gazruk Zerasa Yisrael, they made decrees upon Israel, Uvitlu Datam, and they sought to erase their religion, Velohinichu Osam, Lasok, Betor, Uvimitzos, and they did not leave them rest to be busy with Torah and Mitzvos. They extended their hands, meaning they reached out and stole their money and their daughters. They entered the sanctuary, and they made breaches in it, and they made tame that which should have been pure. And the Jewish people suffered greatly because of them. And they pressured them, intense pressure. Adkan Lashono, that's the end of the words of the Rambam. In other words, close quote. You read the Gedola Me'od. A very great fall. The Ayin B'Peirush HaGrola Mishle. See the, ex- the commentary of the Vilna Gaon on Mishle Chavdala Tezayin. Ki Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vikam. Seven falls the righteous person and he gets up. You know this, right? Seven times the righteous person falls and gets up. The end of the verse is, And wicked people, yikashlu, stumble in their wickedness. Perush, he explains, Even though a righteous person, okay, here he's making a diok, he's, he's um, being particular, he's noticing something specific, which is, it said, Sheva yipol tzadik. Seven times a tzaddik falls. And when it talks about the Russia, it doesn't say Virasha Yikoshel Bara, it says Rishaim Yikashlu. So it's one tzaddik and multiple Rishaim. Just want to make a note here. Okay. So the tzaddik, even though he may fall down seven times and he's completely alone and there is no one to help him, that was what I was making the note because we just read that, right? Vayivaser Yaakov Levado. Yaakov was left alone. Okay. Even so, Yakum, he'll still get up. Hashem will help give him the strength in order that he will pick himself up. It's an interesting way of saying it, right? Because we all know, on the one hand, it might have to be ourselves who has to pick ourselves up. And on the other hand, even that requires Hashem's help. Urishaim and the wicked, even many of them working together, maybe helping each other. That one evil will bring them down. They'll stumble, and there's no indication that they'll rise again. Right? This karu v'nafalu, they will be, uh, they will stumble. They'll be brought to their knees and they'll fall. kamnu, we will get up v'nisodad and be further encouraged and strengthened. Now, if we're getting up, it means we fell also. The difference is with the rishayim, they fall, finished. And with the righteous, we fall and we get up again. We fall, we get up again. You hear still this echo of Yaakov struggling against the Malach. It doesn't say he fell, right? Although he did have his leg torn out. But he just keeps fighting. He doesn't go down. They stay in their wickedness and it causes them to fall and stumble and they don't get up, ever. 
Adkan. That's the end of the explanation of the Vilna Gaon. Vahainu shenefilas tzadik yesh tukuma unefilas rasha ein tukuma. That there is associated with the fall of a righteous person and arising again afterward, and with the fall of the wicked person, there is no rising again afterward. This is also a distinction, this distinction that, that Mishli teaches us between the tzaddik and the rasha and how they fall is also the distinction between the Jewish people and the nations. As the Medrash Yalko teaches on Micha, I think it's Oivasi. Lee, there's no Nikodos here. Kina Falti Kanti. My enemies should not rejoice over me because even though I have, or Kina Falti Kanti. Because I have fallen, I've gotten up. So the normal, the shot is even though I have fallen down, I shall yet arise. But you can hear, kina falti kamti is because I fell down, I will get up. So you can hear, right? Kolzman shakadosh baruchu mistakel umishapech b'maseim shal rishayim ein bahem tekuma. So long as God is looking and uh, overturning the actions of the wicked, they have no ability to get up again, as it says in Mishlei hafoch rishayim ve'enam. He overturns the rishayim and they are no more. Dor hamabul, for example. The generation of the Mabul, there's a flood, and they are wiped out. They don't arise again. The people of Sodom, Mitzrayim, Bovel, one after another. The Alkulam Amar David, and about all of these, David HaMelech said in Tehillim, Lamad Vav, Sham Naflu Poaleavin. Um, I wish I. One second, I have it here. I don't like reading the Psukim, especially Tehillim, without having the Nikudos, because. I'm recording it. I'll make a fool of myself. Yeah. No, okay. Sorry. There's often very unusual. Uh, you can get some pretty. That's an interesting one. Shamnaflu poale oven, dohu velo yachlu kum. It is here that the workers of violence came to fall. They were thrust down and not able to rise again. That's the Hirsch translation. Aval Yisrael, but the Jewish people. If they fall, they get up. As it says, Okay, that's the same verse we read before. My enemy should not rejoice over me because I have fallen, I have arisen. I, me, I would just add to this, in Megillus Esther, you see a line like that, right? Zeresh says to Haman, If Mordechai is a Jew and you have begun to fall in front of him, you will not be able to beat him. You will surely fall before him. Meaning, you're a Russia, and once you start to fall, it's over. It's not, well, you'll fall, but you'll pick yourself up. It was clear. If you start to fall, it's over. Very interesting. I don't know. I, I was really taken when I realized that connection. Like, it's a whole new insight into what you said. Like, what, what does that mean? I mean, Mordechai had started to fall before Haman, and Esther wasn't saying to him, oh, no, you know, that's it. It's over. Give up. Exactly. It was the opposite. It's, we're not giving up. Okay. Davar Acher, the Midrash teaches, another, another explanation we can learn. My enemy should not rejoice over me, ki nafalti kamti, that because I have fallen, I will get up. Shanu rabbo senu, our rabbis have taught, meaning the rabbis of the time of the Gemara, 
חז"ל, מתוך כעס, רצון. From anger comes רצון. רצון, meaning from God being angry at us comes God being pleased with us. הרב ממני ואשמידים. For example, in the Varim test, um, like, uh, be quiet and I'll destroy them. And what did Moshe realize? I should daven. It's, it turns everything around, meaning God's anger at the Jewish people is the source of him coming to be satisfied with the Jewish people. This is, this is a different angle on, on perhaps a topic we've talked about too many times, but somehow I get the feeling we can't talk about it enough, which is, you know, it is through the darkness that we come to light. It's not just despite it, right? It is through the anger we come, that God's anger that we are brought to God being pleased with us. And miyad vayinachim Hashem. Hashem changed his framing on it. Mitoch rogez rachamim. From fury comes mercy. As it says in Chabakuk, berogez richam tizhor. Even during the anger, um, maybe it's not even during. It's kind of a twist on it. It's through the fury, the rachamim will be remembered. Mitoch tzara revacha. From within the tzara, the, the pain or the suffering, comes the relief. As it says, a tzara Yaakov, this is a time of travail for Yaakov, umimena yoshia, and from it, uh, it might be yivashia, he will be saved. What the Medrash is finding is that it is the troubles themselves which bring about the salvation. Mitoch richuk kiruv, from being distanced from God, comes closeness to God. As it says in Hosea, In the very place where it was said about you, you are not my nation, it shall be said about them that they are the children of the living God. From falling comes rising. As it says, In other words, if you never fell, you can never rise. You might be standing up because you started that way, but there's no such thing as having picked yourself up or rising again if you hadn't fallen. Mitocha fela ora. From the deepest, darkest, from the deepest darkness is light. As it says, ki eshev bachoshech Hashem orli. When I sit in the darkness, God is my light. And these things were fulfilled for the Jewish nation during the era of the Yavanim. In a very great extent. See Bracious Rabbah. Choshech, the word Choshech means Yavan. So when, um, he doesn't give the source over here, but when Avraham Avinu has the vision at the Nevuah at Brisbane Habasarim, and it says, Ema Chashecha Gadola Nofeles Alaf. Ema is like terror. Chashecha, darkness, gedola, very great. Nofelis, Allah fell upon him. These are describing the four different galuyos and chashecha, the darkness. Darkness refers to Yavan. Consistently, this is an ongoing thing. You see it throughout, in all kinds of places. Choshech is galus Yavan. Shehechashicha inehem shayisob b'gzerosehem. Who darkened the eyes of the Jewish people with their decrees. Shehaisa omeris lahem. They said to them, Kisvu al Karen Hashor, right on the horn of a of an ox, that you have no share in the God of Israel. I don't know, have we ever talked about the horn of the ox? 
Good morning. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's right. They used to gild the horns of the oxen. Yeah, I don't know what the connection is there. I know sometimes there's Divrei Torah connecting it to Yosef because he's compared to an ox, right? Um, but in particular, just sort of speaking more historically, um, they, you know, you always have this, like, why did they tell them to write it on the horns of an ox? We have no share in the God of Israel. That's because you used cow horns. You drill a little hole in it. I mean, yeah, you could make it a shofar, but you could, they used them as baby bottles. You could feed, they fed babies. You put the food in on one, it's like a funnel. Put the food on one end and you make a little hole on the other end, right? You're not, ex- you're not able to mold silicone into, into the nipples, and that's what they would use. In other words, feed your babies so that their eyes are looking at the words, we have no share in the God of Israel. That's, this is like how deeply they were trying to get into. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's whoa, how, like how could someone do that, you know? Um, otherwise, it just sounded a little weird. Like, we're, I don't know, was this like a decoration for the wall? Like, what are they doing? V'chei dar shisham, explain over there. Chashecha zo yavan, darkness, this is Greece. Shehachshicha neem shayisro b'gzero sehem, who darkened the eyes of the Jewish people with their decrees. Adkan. B'maymer kiddush Hashem Rambam kosov. And the Rambam writes in his essay on kiddush Hashem, we all know what happened to the Jewish people under the wicked, um, the wicked government of Yavan with their harsh and evil decrees. One of the decrees was that people were not allowed to close the doors of their homes. They removed all the front doors of the houses. Chilly and no privacy, right? It was that they couldn't do mitzvahs. Meaning that it was a way of monitoring. It's like Big Brother is watching you. Because, and people didn't have, I mean, that's not true. There were people who had really big homes. You can still see them today. <laughs> Some of them were still there in the old city from that era, right? But if you live in just the little one room dwelling, which was, I think, the normal kind of way to live, then Anyone who walks by can see exactly what you're doing. Are you fall? It's the equivalent of putting a video camera in your house to just take the front door off. You can still see that in, you know, when I was traveling in Mexico, it's like the waterfall, and I'm walking by these little homes, and you could look inside and see everything. Everything going on just by walking past. Yeah, so whole, if you want to make sure people aren't sitting and learning Torah or whatever it is you tell them, so one of the decrees was you can't have a front door and take off the doors. Um, sorry, just find my place here. That's the end of that quote. But in the end, what happened to the Jewish people? From darkness came light. That from the situation of this Gezera, that they were not allowed to seclude themselves in order to be able to do mitzvos even in the privacy and secrecy of their own homes. And you couldn't hide it. You want to do mitzvahs, you can't even hide to do the mitzvahs. You want to light Shabbos candles and it's against the law. How are you going to hide it if there's no door? In the end, we, add, we added a mitzvah derabanan of lighting the candles of Hanukkah, light, right, mitoch afela, from darkness, darkness which is Yavan, came ora, more light than before. Now we have a new mitzvah. We're going to light new candles and new light, and we're going to put it right at the opening of the door. 
right? That's the normal, that's the original way of lighting a menorah. You can also put it in the window. Bifarhesia, to publicize, out in public, to announce to the entire world that I keep the mitzvahs of God. That's what a menorah does. That's from darkness comes light. And he goes on and he shows. And from the gezeros that they nullified the avodah and the base hamikdash, in the end, there was an addition. What's, what's avodah in the base hamikdash? That's avodah shebalev, avodah of the heart, which is prayer, right? Now we add to the prayers, to al-hanisim and to modim in Shemona Esrei. Um, we add al-hanisim to modim in Shemona Esrei and to the hollow. We also add hollow for eight days. So what we have here is a declaration that from the decree came out, right? No more, no more carbonos only to your God. We're going to put our Avodah Zara in there, right? Now we have an enhancement. We have an even bigger Avodah than we had before. And he associates the, the decree get about writing on the, on the horn of the ox that we have no share in the God of Israel, that from that we were Zoha to the mitzvah of Hallel, which is raising our voice in prayer and we've seen the Ramban. There's that Ramban at the end of Parsha's bow where he talks about the purpose of all these different mitzvahs for Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim, right? So he says, why do we raise our voices in prayer? That's what Hallel is. It's in order to, to give people a place to acknowledge God who created us and caused us to be and publicize it. So this is, we have a share in the God of Israel. That's why we have, have an added of Hallel. And from the situation of the terrible decrees that the Jewish people could not learn Torah, and because of this, Torah was very nearly forgotten amongst the Jewish people. We talked about that two years ago. We talked about the, the, the people who were hiding in the caves finally saying, we've got to come out and do something because all the Jews who are not hiding in caves, which is the majority, just look like Greeks, basically. Right? They were not learning Torah. Mm -hmm. In the end, what, what begins as soon as you have this whole battle with the Yavanim, you have an incredible increase in the development of Torah at teaching and Torah thinking. This is the initiation, the beginning of the greatest era of Torah Shabbat Peh, the era of the Tanoim, who illuminate all of Israel through the end of days. This is the beginning of the times of the, of the sages of the Mishnah and the Gemara. From falling truly comes rising up, and from darkness comes light. When we go up, we don't just go up a little, we go up a lot. He says that's even indicated in the Alhanisim that we add to our davening, right? It says, after that your children came to your, to your sanctuary, and they cleaned the heichal, and they were metahir the mikdash, and they lit candles. He said it's step by step by step. I think last year that was what we talked about, how those steps corresponded to the different zones of the Beis HaMikdash, mm -hmm. right? It's step after step after step after step. Once they're going up, it's step, 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 step. Exactly. And they even went to such an extent through, they lit candles in the chatzer, and they established eight days of Hanukkah. Meaning they went step, 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 step into the Beis HaMikdash 
and they even establish something that extends beyond the base Hamikdash. From the base Hamikdash, it extends out into the future, like we have the idea of Baha'aloscha Eshaneros, when Hashem gives the commandment to light the menorah that Aaron and his children were lighted. Right? And Rashi teaches over there that Aaron was a little bit dejected. Everyone else was bringing their karbonos from all the tribes, and here they are, the Kohanim, and they don't have. And the Hashem said, your gift is, your, your avoda is greater because it will outlast even the Beis HaMikdash itself. Right? Because your descendants will keep lighting those menorahs for thousands of years after there's a Beis HaMikdash. So this is like step, step, step that takes it even beyond the boundaries of the Beis HaMikdash itself. And from this, we can take a very great lesson for every Jewish person. And especially those who tie themselves to Torah and the light of Torah, that even though we go through all kinds of situations, and even though sometimes we feel like we're becoming very elevated, and sometimes, God forbid, we feel like we're falling, we're losing ground, even spiritually, we feel like we're really losing ground. Maybe sometimes we feel like we're rising up, and sometimes we feel like we're falling. Mikomakom. Nonetheless, asur levar yisrael lehis ya'ish ulihishaber chas v'shal mishomatsav. A Jewish person is not allowed to give up hope or feel totally broken. Ki Yisrael ein nefilasam nefila, because as a Jew, your falling is not a permanent fall. If you have fallen, then you know it's like a roller coaster. You've gone down, but you're picking up speed. <laughs> you may be going downward, but you're picking up speed and momentum, and you're going from the falling, you're going to stand. And if you can pull yourself and strengthen yourself, from the fall will come the rising, and then you won't just go up one step, you'll go up many. Okay, so that was the first piece, which I just, it's really awesome. Very optimistic. It's deeply optimistic. The faster you're falling, the less room there is to despair. And you, it's a thought that you can hang on to. Because you can say, but I don't see how I'm ever going to get out of this. And the answer is, it could be you don't see that. So you just know that somehow there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but you can't see it. And it's not just that you're going to end up in this low place. Somehow, from this fall, you're going to rise up. Okay. Now, I wanted to share also another piece from Rav Bravda, which I also found like very um, uplifting and exciting, <coughs> which is this. Shlomo Brevda, B-R-E-V-D-A. You can find, I'm sure, many classes recorded online. He just passed away like two years ago. Not, not long ago. He tells it like it is. He speaks very... Uh, it's not always light. <laughs> See if you can find him speaking to women. He goes a little easier on women. It's heavy-duty Moser. It's also real. Meaning if you can hold out to the end, you get something uplifting to, from it. Like, it, it can feel very strong. Like, it's very, um, it's very pure. He, he goes straight for the purity of Torah. Okay. In the Gemara and Shabbos, I'm now reading from the end. It's an essay. This essay is a much longer one, and it has quite a lot of subsections, and I'm just really reading to you from the last two 
subsections. So this is on Shimon HaTzadik and the Chashmonaim. But I'm reading the last bit. Why does Hanukkah have eight days and not seven? You have surely heard this question. It's always a good topic for somebody's Dwar Torah or Shir on Hanukkah. The, the Gemara in Shabbos says, what is Hanukkah? Shabbos Chafalef, Isa. They have taught, Ma'i Hanukkah, what is Hanukkah? The Tanu Rabbanon, the sages have taught, Bechav Bekislev, on the 25th of Kislev, Yomi the Hanukkah. These are the days of Hanukkah. Kishenich Nesu Yivonim Lahechal, when the Greeks came into the sanctuary, Timu Kol Hashmanim, they contaminated, they made Tomei, not contaminated, they made Tomei, all of the oils, Shabahechal, that were in the sanctuary. And when the house, when the, the, the house of the dynasty of the Hashmonaim came, rose up and was victorious over them, Badku, they sought, They sought and they were only able to find one small container of oil that was sitting there, and that had the seal of the Kohen Gadol. And it contained enough to light only for one day. A miracle was done with it. And they were able to light from it for eight days. And it continues. And if we look at the Beis Yosef, which is the Rav Yosef Karo in the Hilchos Hanukkah, the Shulchan Aruch, and he asks the classic Hanukkah question. If on the first day there was a natural amount of oil to light the first day, then why is Hanukkah eight days long? It should be seven days long because there's seven days of miracle and one day that was natural. So that's, that's okay. And you can see there his answer, the Me'iri, on the Gemara and Shabbos, actually anticipates the question and gives the answer that also on the first day was a miracle. Ki just the fact that they were able to find this container that had not become tummy, that was the miracle. Okay, so now he's going to give, and we've heard that before, and it's, it's nice and it's reasonably satisfying. He's going to deepen it. <clears throat> he says, how can we understand better the words of the Me'iri? That just finding it on the first day, that's the miracle. We can, see, we can understand this better according to what the Bach wrote. And what the Bach said was this. On Hanukkah, on Hanukkah, the real core of the Gezerah, of the decrees against the Jews, was to, to wipe out the Avodah. They told them they can no longer bring the Korban Tamid. It would be like saying you can't have Shmona Esri anymore. But there's also the lighting of the menorah, which is Laha'alos near Tamid. That's also a kind of a voda that's Tamid. Lighting the menorah. Uh, hold on one second. And therefore, the Yevonim came and they intentionally made Tameh all the oil. Because they were trying to wipe out the avoda in the Beis HaMikdash, they were intentionally metami the oil. I would sort of add over here, when you look at what the Greeks did in the Beis HaMikdash, they didn't destroy the Beis HaMikdash. What they did is they came in, they made breaches in the Soreg fence, which was like a low fence. 
that reminded people, right, non-Jews up till this point, Jews past this point, they made breaches in it. They said, no, you're not going to say that this is different than that, that this is somehow has a different type of spirituality or even a different level of spirituality. They didn't steal the oil. They left it there. They were mitame it. I said, don't tell me that some oil is different from other oil. It only says on the ingredients 100% olive oil, right? Don't tell me it needs to have a hasher or a stamp on it, right? They, they didn't tear down the Mizbeach. They put in Avodazara. It's a battle against saying that things can have independent value or value of identity. You know, if there's a sort of a... There are different ways you can interpret democracy, also kind of a Greek idea, right? If we say that everyone has value, that doesn't take away from individuality. Because what we're saying is each person could have a different contribution to make. If we say everyone is the same, then what we've actually done is erased the value of the person. Because now you are completely substitutable by the next person. There's nothing special about you if I say we're all the same. If I say we all have the same rights, that's different. If I say we all have, even, even if I were to say that everyone has a contribution to make and those contributions are equally important, I'm not erasing the personal value of the person. But if I say everyone is the same, I have actually done is said that everyone is equally worthless because you're, you're an extra. You become an extra in the movie. If you're not there, we'll bring someone else in. It makes no difference, which is why Greek philosophy had a tendency to lead to things like eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we may die. It doesn't really matter too much what I do because it's all just kind of temporary anyway and... You know, the only thing that might matter is if I've encroached on the rights of another person and hurt their life. But as long as I'm not hurting other people, which is kind of impossible to do when you're living a life of self-gratification, you end up hurting people. But at least if I can set up laws, which the Greeks did do, right? Set up a nation state and you set up laws to help prevent people from, in their self-gratification, hurting other people to sort of enforce that, then who cares? Which really brings you back, this is... This is the Western culture, that's Asav saying, pour the lentils down my throat. Tomorrow I'm going to die anyway. Lama Liza Bechor. There's nothing later. There's not. That's where this type of thinking leads to when it's everyone is the same. And that's what was happening in the Beis HaMikdash. They came in, they make the breach. They say, these people on this side, these people on that side, no, we're not allowing that. This oil is different from that oil. No, we're not allowing that. This worship is different from that worship. No, we're not allowed. You could worship your God. That's cool. Just worship ours too. Right? Equal. Equal. I'll respect your religion. You'll respect my religion. I respect your beliefs. You know, I don't, I'm not sure it's that we're obligated to go and say to other people, like, because they believe something different than us, therefore, like, you know, I mean, maybe if it's a Vodazara, at some point we would have to actually stand up for the honor of God. Most of the time we don't go around like enforcing on what other people believe, right? But that's not the same as telling somebody explicitly, I respect your beliefs. Who says I respect their beliefs? Maybe I don't. Maybe their beliefs are wicked. Maybe their beliefs are, I don't know. 
Like, I have to respect their beliefs? I don't have to. Could be the law is going to enforce that I'm not allowed to say anything about it. I don't know. Until it becomes a matter of maybe I I have to endanger my life over it. Could be, right? But this idea, like, you know, yeah, we'll respect your temple. We'll just put our things in there, too, and it's all the same. And, you know, we'll have, like, the Xmas tree with the menorah on the top. Like, whatever it is, right? We're all honoring everybody's beliefs. Beliefs means nobody's beliefs mean anything. It kind of comes back down to that. All right. That was my detour. That the Bach said that they specifically and intentionally entered the Heichal and sought to be Metame the Shmani, the oils. It was not that it happened accidentally. That's the big miracle of finding the one jug of oil. Because the Greeks came in with a bunch of soldiers. They sent a bunch of troops into the temple intentionally hunting down jugs of oil, containers of oil, to make them tame. And nonetheless, they missed one. They didn't find one, and it stayed pure. And when the Hashmonaim were able to gain strength over them, and they came into the Beis HaMikdash, small in number, weak, tired, exhausted, they looked for oil, and they found it. It actually doesn't say like they do in all the kids' Hanukkah plays, where they're hunting and hunting and hunting. And it doesn't say that. Just as they came and they only found one. So his approach is, here you have the soldiers who came in strong, healthy, and numerous, hunting down those pachim of oil and missing one. Somehow they just didn't see it. And the Jews come in and they did find it. That's Neskadol Hayasham. That is indeed a great miracle that happened there. And afterward, there was a second miracle, which was that it lasted eight days instead of one day. And in my humble opinion, he says, there is a very great Musar Haskel. There is something deep that we need to learn from this, Musar-wise. That these are two miracles. The miracle of the first day and the miracle of the seven days are interrelated, which which helps because that's the little bit of the answer when they say, well, that was also a miracle. That's kind of the part that leaves you a little bit dissatisfied, right? Why is it eight days of Hanukkah? Because seven days was a miracle that it lasted, and the first day was a miracle they found it. <clears throat> it's a reasonably satisfying answer at its surface level, but there is this slight dissatisfaction. I don't know, I for sure felt it. But until he pointed this out, I didn't understand what my dissatisfaction was, which was... Yeah, but then why is it eight days if it's... One plus if it's Yeah, like if it's two different things. He says they're actually intertwined. Not they're the same miracle, mm-hmm. but they are interrelated closely mm-hmm. because that one container of oil that remained pure in a time when all of the containers in that place became tame and were intentionally violated... That container of oil is a miraculous container of oil. Just the fact that it exists is a miracle. If so, we expect from it miraculous things. This is not so different an approach from the Maharal that we saw a couple weeks ago on Parshashir, where he said that if you see, right, this was about, um, it was Chaye Sarah, but I think we, we came across it in Vayera and referred to it in Chaye Sarah. And we were talking about Sarah Imenu, but it was, we were quoting a Gorarie 
That's when Yitzchak brought Rivka into his tent. And then he describes how Avraham's brachos from Hashem were all realized in Sarah's tent, right? And the dough that continued going and the cloud on the tent and the, the candles that lit from week to week. There's oil that's going, right? That it's something that's not from this world. It's something miraculous that's not where it should be. Then, it me- then you ask the question, why is it here? It must be it's here to be mashpi'ah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. If something is to be, if you find something in a place it isn't expected, then you need to ask why is it here, and you need to assume that the answer is in some way it's meant to be influencing, to putting out some kind of spiritual influence into that environment. And if it is doing that, and if it sources in something spiritual, then even though it is acting in a physical space, it will not become depleted. That was the principle of the Maharal, as expounded on by the Pachat Yitzchak, which I heard from Rabbi Eisman, right? This is not such a different approach. It's a miraculous container of oil. Just the fact that it is there is a miracle. Therefore, we expect that it will act, it will behave miraculously somehow. Not like all the other ones that only will last a day naturally. And therefore, in our days, in our generation, when every single Jewish person who remains pure in their thinking, in their faith, faithful to Torah and mitzvos, who nays gadol? That is a great miracle. Because it, how many myriads of our brethren have been destroyed just a few decades ago? How many myriads have been swallowed up and blended into the nations and destroyed that way? Any individual Jew who remains and is faithful to God and the Torah of Hashem, the Holy One, has to see himself like the small container that is miraculous in the time of the Hashmonai. And if so, then each and every one of us is also obligated to expect Mycenaeism miraculous deeds because we are the little jugs that Yaakov went back for (laughs) was worth going back for we need to realize that our connection is not to the physical world, it's not to the money we are a spiritual phenomenon miraculously planted in this world of physicality and we have to say then why are we here? how is it possible that we're here? if I'm here it must be I'm here to be mashpia in a spiritual way. This I thought was an astonishing mini essay. We're each, we are each the little jug of oil. Um, okay, two other ideas. One about the first essay, which I should have said then, but I got too excited about the second essay, which was we were talking about um, from from falling comes arising, from the darkness comes the light. So I heard a shear from Rabbi Leff. He says, right, in Al-Hanisim it says, they established these eight days, to give thanks or acknowledgement and to praise God's great name. He says, nes, the word nes, the word miracle, is nun samich. What's nun? Nun is falling. 
right? Nefila is falling. We see that in Ashrei, where the next word is somech, which means samech. Samech means supporting. And in Ashrei, David Melch says, somech Hashem lechol hanoflim, that Hashem supports those who fall. So from there you could understand that even though he left out the nun, what it was referring to was falling. I mean, it's, it's not just that nun is the first letter of nafal. Mm-hmm. It's the way that it's left out that helps you. It's, it's brought in indirectly so that you recognize that the nun meant nafal. So the word nase means nun, falling, samech, supporting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Which, if you think about it, because what is it, when does a miracle come in? When do we say, wow, that's a miracle? It's when we saw that we were stumbling and falling and we're saved. We don't walk around saying it was a miracle when something didn't happen, when there wasn't a risk. Mm-hmm. It's when there was the risk and then we're saved from it. He says, we say, hoda'a, which is gratitude, but it's also acknowledgement, like vidui, I was, I was wrong, you were right. Like, you know more than me. Hoda is the acknowledgement of the nefila, of the falling. That's lehodos. Ulehalel, to reflect praise, right? To be able to see God's greatness and turn that into words of praise. That's for the smicha, for the being supported. Lehodos ulehalel, for a nace. That's the reaction. When, we, when there's a nace, we're supposed to respond with lehodos ulehalel, to give Gratitude and thanks for the falling and for the being saved. Both. That the falling is part of the Yeshua. That's what Anais tells you. It's like also. So it may be out of order, but it's still worth hearing. Um, <laughs> and with regard to the, the question of Hanukkah is eight days. The first day is the miracle that it exists at all. And seven days is this supernatural miracle. And really, they're both supernatural miracles, what you're trying to say. But one is a miracle that's sort of from the bottom up, meaning it just keeps existing down there. Mm-hmm. And they can't see it. And, right. and the other is the miracle of God extending the reach. So now instead of one day, it lasts for seven. And that really, that is the nature of eight. Because eight is lemala min hateva, that which is above the natural. Eight is not just eight. So you can have with Shemitah seven years. The year after Shemitah, sometimes it's called the first year. Sometimes it's called this eighth year. The, the significance of the number eight is that you have cycles with seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, go round and round. Eight is where you keep going around, but now when you get back to one, you're up a new level. You're not where you were before. You're up another level. Okay, that we've, we've learned this before. Rav Hirsch brings it based on the teachings of the Maharal in a few places, six, seven, and eight. Uh, six, right, being trying to live in a purely physical world. Seven being the way humanity was meant to live, which is in a world of the physical nature and physical cycles, but recognizing that they have the element of Kedusha. There is that seven that is the Kedusha, which is the source that energizes and motivates all of that. And then there's eight, which is the role of the Jewish people, which is a Lamalamin Hateva role. 
Okay, so one of the things that we see then is that 8 is not 8 on its own. 8 really is 7 plus 1. That is a, a the, the concept of 8-ness is a concept of 7 plus 1. Meaning, taking the natural cycles, life in the natural world that is spiritualized, and yet ratcheting it up even another level to the supernatural. How does that happen? That happens actually through our own choices. When we talk about the seven plus one as a higher level, as moving from the physical, from the natural, which includes also the spiritual natural, to supernatural, it's actually kindled by our choices, by our, whether it's the supernatural of self-control over the Yitzhahara, right, it might be that. It's taking an action that has no natural basis and doing it anyway because it's God's will. That's where you get bris milah. You have a baby, he's born, hopefully he's healthy and natural. Why would you do a bris milah? There's no natural need to circumcise a little boy. It's something supernatural. That's the eighth day, right? When, when we have a Shemitah year, the first year on the cycle is no longer just a first year. It becomes the eighth year. When you have, I'm trying to think, there's a few other examples I had, but now I can't remember what they are. There's a whole bunch of examples of eight and they're always a new level of world. Uh, you have it the eighth day of like dedicating the Mishkan and the Beis HaMikdash will be described as on the eighth day. Meaning instead of coming back around to the one, you've now entered a whole new stage of the world. It isn't the same as it was before. Okay, that is really eightness. Eightness is seven plus one. That's why when we see the word Az in the Torah, then which is Aleph Zion, 1 7. It is usually, probably always, a reference to Asid Lavo, to the future time to come. Az Yashir Moshe. Then Moshe will sing. I mean, then Moshe will sing. Then Moshe sang. No, there's a reference here to the future, to the end of days. That's always more than the end of days. After the end of days is Asid Lavo, in a way, right? It's the future to come. That's the, the seven plus one is a supernatural world. It takes you into the supernatural. And I, I think that it's fair to say that in all of these cases, when we have a seven plus one, what changes it from being just seven and back to one again, but getting a new identity as an eight, is a kindling from below. And therefore, the word shemen is the root of the word shmona, because shemen is oil. It's something physical, but you kindle it and it turns into something that's as close to spiritual, right? It becomes a flame, which is always the model. Light is always the model for spirituality. We always use that as a description, right? It's from the below to the above, from the physical world and working up, not God reaching down from up and infusing us with eightness. We could say that about the seven. Seven could be God infusing us with spirituality. When it's eight, it's that it begins with us. And then it is reflected and even amplified in the next cycle. 
from above. God reflects that back and amplifies it. But the nature of eight, even the role of the Jewish people as being described as the level of eight and supernatural was our saying, Nasev and Ishma. We will do and we will hear, right? We will jump into something, into having a relationship with God without knowing, without, right? It ratchets us to a whole different world. And then God re- responds to that and it's amplified and extended. So that's true with Hanukkah and that's true with this miracle where it starts with the one and then there's a seven that goes with like on there and, and it's a supernatural seven. It's been brought to a whole new plane of what, what its existence can be by that one. But this idea we have to see ourselves, each one of us is really that little jug of oil that somehow is miraculously still sitting there even after all of Western civilization has trampled through, gone door to door, trying to hunt us down, gone door to door, screen to screen, trying to hunt us down one way or another. Um, The fact that we're still here is a miracle, and therefore we should expect that our purpose in being here is to perform miraculous acts. Happy Hanukkah. (laughs) Wow. Wow, thank you.